Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for your retirement elevated. Well, we're excited for another edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time out to join us for this new episode because we've got a lot of fun things to talk about. This is Your Retirement Elevated. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Dugan. He's the co-founder and managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group, serving you throughout the KC metro area, but also serving clients all across the country. And you can find us online at listentoscott.com. Check out all the past episodes of the podcast and much more information there as well. Scott, can you believe it? We're into 2019. How does it feel, man? Unbelievable. I cannot fathom how we got here so quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty amazing. And we're already ticking off the days here in the new year. So it's pretty impressive how that always happens, isn't it? It is. And I, you know, when I got started in this business almost 19 years ago, you know, my clients are always close to retirement or retire. And they said, well, just wait, Scott, time will start to speed up. Yeah. And now I know what they're talking about. We, <laughs> so, we can confirm that. That's for sure. Yes, it's for sure. I'll tell you something funny that happened to me this year, and I don't know why. And then we'll jump into our content today. Oddly enough, you know how it usually takes you a month or two to start writing the new year? Like it would be, you know, February before you finally get used to writing 2019 on, you know, documents mm-hmm. and saving files and all that kind of thing. Well, I did this weird thing and I started signing everything back in November as 2019. So it was like my brain was trying to like over adjust for like, oh yeah, the new year is coming. Start getting used to writing 2019. So I started writing 2019 on like all of these things like checks and stuff back in November. Now people are like, hey man, you wrote me this check that doesn't, it's not dated until like a year from now. What's up with that? I post dated that check. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just, patience is a virtue, man. Just hold on to mm-hmm, it. So. Definitely. <laughs> well, on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about, I think this is really fun. This is one of my favorite topics to discuss. Client personalities. And the reason I think this is a lot of fun is because there are a lot of personalities out there when it comes to financial matters. And, you know, most of our listeners will fit into, I think, one of these classifications that we're going to talk about on the show today. And Scott, I'd love to hear from you how you adjust to work with different personalities, how you help them overcome maybe their own personal challenges and obstacles that these people tend to face. And we're not trying to push people into a box here, but it is kind of funny when you look at it, you might identify with one of these more than some of the others. So I'll throw out the type of personality, Scott. You tell us a little bit about that person, what they look like, and what those challenges might look like for them. What about, first of all, the victim? This is somebody that's kind of had something bad happen to them, maybe in the financial world in the past, right? Oh, definitely. You know, the victim has maybe either been burned or scarred by something in, in their financial past, and it could be a bad behavior, maybe an investment that went horribly wrong, a big tax time mistake or maybe an untimely market crash that they weren't prepared for. And the victim often has difficulty learning to trust someone again, whether it's trusting an advisor, their own intuition or gut instinct, or just the market and the economy in general. And so that's a tough situation to be in where you, and I can understand having a bad, a bad experience, but you know, I can tell you there's a lot of good people out there, a lot of good advisors that can give good fiduciary based advice that would hopefully help you get through those traumatic issues in the past. Yeah, it's never fun when somebody's been exposed to something like that because trust is so important when it comes to that relationship with a a financial professional, with a financial advisor. And once that's ruined, it's hard to trust the next one, right? Oh, sure. And that's one of the things that makes my job, can make my job difficult, is just those past experiences. And like with all professions, not all advisors are created equally. 
and where we have chosen to take that fiduciary route, which means that we have to put our client's best interests first. That's our directive. We're ethically, morally, and legally obligated to do that. So if nothing else, if you're having a an issue trusting a quote an advisor in this situation. If you just start with a fiduciary advisor, at least you know that by law they're directed to do what's best in the best interest of the client. Yeah, that's a great point. So again, that's the victim. Maybe you've had something similar to that happen to you in the past, something that kind of jaded you a little bit. But try to remember that not all advisors are created equal. And those situations can be overcome once again. This one probably more popular to experience, Scott, and that would be the overanalyzer. We probably all have a little overanalyzer in us, but some people more than others, I guess. Oh, definitely. You know, it can be a combination of several things. Either they're very technical, you know, in their background. You know, Kansas City is the second largest engineers in the country. And so we've got a lot of technical people. We actually have a lot of engineering clients that have come on board with us over the years. But sometimes an overanalyzer has trouble making decisions about anything because they have to analyze every possible choice from every possible angle. And they can tend to hoard information or be information junkies, is what I call them. You know, signing up for every email service, buying books, listening to podcasts or radio shows, just absorbing, which ultimately can be very confusing. And what we call it leads to paralysis of analysis. Just you're so overwhelmed that you just can't make a move. And one of my longtime clients told me something years ago. He was a successful business owner, retired, and a pretty savvy person. And it took us a year of interviews to get to know each other before he came on board with us. So it was a long courting relationship, let's put it that way. And he said, what you've done for he and his wife is that he goes, you have turned down the noise. And he goes, you have helped us focus in on what's truly important and what we need to focus on. And I always impart this piece of knowledge to our clients. I said, when you hear something or read something about retirement, let's say, the first question you need to ask yourself is, does that apply to me in my situation? And if the answer is yes, this next question is, how much does it affect me? Because so (laughs) much of what we hear today doesn't really affect you in the long term, doesn't apply to you. And if it does, it's very marginal, you know, in the long run. So I would say today's world, we're drowning in information and we're starving for wisdom and we're lacking a process to filter out all the noise and really get down to what's important to us and what really matters. And that's what we strive to do for our clients. That's really key. And you got to just make sure that you are putting the proper amount of research into what your decisions are financially, but also not getting you know paralyzed by that analysis. I'm just thinking back to when we were doing Christmas shopping. I think I had that happen a few times. Got overanalyzed <laughs> this one or this one, or this one or this one, trying to fix something. And then you end up just not doing anything. And then you run out of time and have to pull a rabbit out of the hat at the last second. So yes, we, we can all identify with that a little bit. What about the do it yourselfer? I always admire DIY folks, whether it be home improvements or even, you know, from a financial perspective, it's that I think personality and spirit that kind of makes America what it is that I'm going to take responsibility and tackle this thing on my own independent. I think there's a lot to be admired here, but it can also come with its challenges and frustrations to go with the do it yourself route. 
Sure. And I'm like you, I, I appreciate that. I can relate to that because obviously I'm in this industry. But you know, a lot of folks that are DIYers from the investment standpoint attend a lot of our educational courses because they're always hungry to learn. But we have to really isolate, you know, there's five key components to financial planning and investments are just one of those parts. And so DIYers usually focus on the investment part of the planning and they, they really aren't focused on the income planning side of things, the healthcare side, the estate and legal side. They're not looking at the healthcare side or the tax side. And so when people come in to us, usually it's when they're getting close to retirement, some people just want to double check and they want to have those other areas looked at and other people quite frankly, look at it and say, you know what, we've got to this point. And this is actually just recently, this exact example, a client had been working for several years for the federal government, uh, was retiring and said, you know, back when we were getting started, he said, a little mistake on a little amount of money didn't amount to much. And he said, now a little mistake on this large amount of money, he goes, that could really hurt. Mm. And he said, the stakes are too high. And he's a very, very sharp person. And he said, you know, I we just need someone that has been down this path to help us through this. And really what it is, is they're strategically delegating the task to us to help navigate the waters ahead. And just like taxes, I can do my taxes, I could do my own books, but the best check that I write on a monthly basis to our CPA and our, and our bookkeeper, because they keep us on the straight and narrow, and I can focus on things that are truly important in our business and delegate that to someone else. And as a DIYer, I can tell you this, and we'll, we'll go to the next one. The biggest decision you're going to have to make is this, and I want you to think about this for a moment. You probably thoroughly enjoy looking at your investments on a daily, weekly basis and doing the research and doing all those things. But you have to ask yourself the question, does your spouse have the same appreciation or desire hmm. and you're probably going to answer no they don't so if you're like me the big decision i had to make was who's going to be my successor who's going to take care of my wife if something happened to me and i did that i went out and found someone that was going to be the person that steps in to replace me from a financial plan and investment standpoint and I would tell you a lot of the listeners out there today, if you're a DIYer, you probably need to have that conversation with your spouse to see how comfortable they truly are. Because the last thing we want, or I want, wanted was my wife to get an invitation to a steak dinner at some restaurant and them to go down there on a Thursday evening and hear about the latest, greatest financial product that solves all your financial ills. And that's the person that's going to manage our wealth for the rest of her life. That wasn't a plan I was comfortable with, you know, so that's my soapbox two cents for um, do it yourselfers. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to try and identify with one of these client personalities and examples. I kind of feel like I'm the dangerous mix myself of a do-it-yourselfer who also overanalyzes things. And so it's almost like I have the capacity to do it myself, but I overanalyze it so much to the point where I can't make a decision. And so I know that it's important for me to work with somebody who can help me get off the pot, for lack of a better term, if you know <laughs> yes. what I mean, Scott. Yes, yes, <laughs> so, absolutely. you know, if maybe you're a do-it-yourselfer who uh, 
you know, maybe you're not an overanalyzer. You're good at making quick decisions. And that can also be helpful, but can also be detrimental. Have you put in enough thought process behind it? So you might be a mix of some of these different personalities, too. The other one is a fun one. We call it the ostrich. This is the uh, person who, I guess, you know, by name, sticks their head in the sand. Yeah, and, and what we normally see that the ostrich, you know, they essentially know that there's a lot that they don't understand about their portfolio. So in order to cope, they simply just bury their head in the sand. And you've got some mild cases where this could mean ignoring potential risks like long-term care or taking too much risk with your investments or simply hoping that they don't have to deal with these issues, kind of try to sidestep them. And in some of the most severe cases, an ostrich might not even open their account statements when they get them in the mail. They just get them in the mail and they put them in a drawer, shut that drawer and just fret about it and don't ever open it. But you just have to remember when your head is buried in the sand, (laughs) there's one particular part of your anatomy (laughs) that is exposed and that's your wallet. Okay, so you got to be careful not to bury your head in the sand too much. I feel like I should have had a little uh, rim shot sound effect ready to go there. Yes. That was good. That was really good. All right, so that's the ostrich. I think that one's a pretty obvious one, and you know if you're in that club or not, for sure. What about the silo stalker? Uh, this is one that uh, we also call this the Black Helicopter Society. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you need the, the silent helicopters. Uh, it's really the, you know, these are the folks that, and we don't have, you know, a lot of clients aren't attracted to us that have this thought process, but it's everything is going to be a downturn for the worse. They're anticipating the worst. They're prepared for every worst case scenario. They often have you know huge chunks of money sitting in cash you know, at the bank or at the, in their safe at home, precious metals, and you know an extreme assortment of extremely conservative investments. And, you know, not too long ago, we had someone referred to us and they came in and I said, you know, hey, what, what's your thoughts about the economy and, you know, the markets? He goes, I just think they're going to, you know, drop at any moment, you know, that we're in for it. And I said, well, so how are you currently invested? And he said, well, you know, we went to cash in 08 and we've been in cash ever since because we thought the worst was yet to come. It's like, well, <laughs> you've missed a pretty substantial run up in the market since 09. And so there's always a place for being cautious but i also think you have to have a level of optimism about the future because if you look about over time the markets in general have gone upwards and to the right you already seen that chart right they've, they've continued to get bigger the markets get bigger it's just not a straight line and so i think a lot of that silo stalker kind of comes back to there's some of that victim in it as well. Maybe they had a bad experience or they're just so mistrusting of everything that they just don't take action and benefit from taking advantage of the market. So uh, yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, absolutely is. The good old silo stalker. They're a perfect breed, I think, for, you know, fitting into that do-it-yourselfer category as well with just a little bit different twist on it, probably. Yes. Uh, what about the odd couple? We have to throw the odd couple in here. They're fun to meet with, aren't they? Oh, they are. And there are a couple of different versions of the odd couple. It could be a couple who has completely conflicting goals. Maybe the husband wants to retire and travel around the world while his wife just wants to see the grandkids you know, a few times a year. 
you know, or the odd couple could simply be a husband and wife with completely different levels of engagement with their finances. You know, maybe one of them watches everything very closely and understands the intimate details of their retirement plan, while the other spouse is completely, you know, unaware of the details and just goes along for the ride. And the latter part is what we see quite a bit is one spouse and it does it's either the you know husband or the wife they handle certain parts of the day to day you know the finances and the issue with that is you know when something happens you know to one or the other if that person that runs everything as an accident then that other person is left to put all the pieces together and I've had conversations with people and say, well, no, no, I've got this. It's all in a notebook upstairs. And all they need to do is get that notebook and they'll be just fine. And if you really sat down and talked to your significant other and asked them, hey, if something happened to me, do you think you could navigate our financial life using this three-ring binder? And most of the time, the answer is no. So I think we really have to have good communication and again, if you're working with a professional, uh, you know, with a planner, they're there to step in. You know, I've got a situation where I met one of our longtime clients many years ago, and he was an executive. He took care of everything. He was a do-it-yourselfer, but he wanted me to kind of look over his shoulders and give him advice. And so we handled a few of his accounts. And over time, you know, we got more involved. And I remember one day, he's very well put together, always, you know, very sharp dressed, groomed very well. And he came to my office one day and his hair was just kind of not combed as well. And it's kind of wrinkled. And I was like, you know, hey, are you, are you okay? He goes, ah, I'm just not feeling great. You know, something, maybe we got a little bug or something. And three months later, you know, we chatted and he found out I got diagnosed with Parkinson's. Oh. You know, so there's a situation where we met a couple times a year and we handled a few accounts to where we're handling almost every detail of their financial world up to the helping his wife pick the best rewards credit card to switch to so they could take advantage of of that so always make sure if you are that person that runs everything make sure you either have a good co-pilot or bring your significant other up to speed so they're comfortable at least managing parts of the other retirement plan going forward Again, that's the odd couple. Are you finding yourself identifying with one of these types of client personalities we're covering on the show today? I know I've checked off a few boxes on hearing a few of these stories. Hey, I like to check off this next one. I don't know how much I am in actuality, but who doesn't want to be a bit of the gambler? Who, who's, who's the gambler from a retirement planning standpoint? Oh, the gambler loves to take risk. It's like the next big thing is around the corner. And, you know, it's usually the husband or the male loves to try to pick the hot stocks and trade options in an effort to get the absolute most out of his or hers investments. And a lot of cases with a gambler, it's more about the bragging rights than it is the actual money. And so, you know, the gambler, it's not about being an investor. Picking a hot stock is not investing, that's speculating. And I try to impart to people that, Investing and trading, investing and speculation are two different things. And our firm is about hitting singles and doubles on a consistent basis. We're not trying to swing for home runs every time we get up to bat. And so the gambler, again, just just watch out. You know who you are, and that's fine if that's your way. But again, we just have to be careful with we're not betting our whole financial future on one move. And like perfect example, we've got a, someone that we, we'd met with not too long ago. 
came from our, we have an attorney relationship, a state plan attorney relationship. And this family has all of their wealth, except for their checking account, in one stock. Hmm. One wow. company stock. Amazing. And we talked through it. I said, you know, do you, how do you feel about that? You know, I said, well, you know, it's been good to us so far, and we feel like it's going to continue to do that. I said, well, true. I said, but what about Kodak, <laughs> as an example? Uh, what about Enron? What about other people that had a significant amount of their wealth and their company stock, and that went defunct? And again, they're like, no, we're going to ride it out. We think it's going to keep going, and I hope that they're right. But I again, we don't believe in betting on one horse. We want to bet on a lot of them. We want a lot of a lot of diversification in that portfolio. That's a great point. So beware if you are the gambler, just be careful. Double check everything. Make sure that you are making good decisions when it comes to your life savings and being very careful if you're all in one stock. Oh my gosh, be very careful. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, chips all in the same basket right there, mm-hmm. or eggs, I should say. The model citizen would be our final example of a client personality. Everybody wants to be described as a model citizen. So what do we uh, have? to be aware of with this person you know the model citizen you know they have done almost everything right from a financial perspective you know they've been fiscally conservative they've been diligent about saving for retirement lived within their means and are ready to start looking seriously at the specifics of their retirement plan you know but even after doing everything right over the years that model citizen they still have a lot of questions and concerns and they don't necessarily know where to start and most of, I would say, most of our clients would probably identify strongly with the model citizen. They fit that category. And what has got you to your retirement, you know, and saving money doing those things, there's going to be some different strategies and tactics you're going to need to get through retirement. And so saving for retirement and accumulating are way different than the distribution phase or spending the money. And so that model citizen, they're usually coming in and saying, we've done all these things. Now the stakes are very high and we're done accumulating. We're not going to save any more money and we need to make this money last as long as we do. And we need to have it take care of us in case of a long-term care situation. And if there's money left over, we want to make sure that money goes as efficiently and effectively to the kids as possible for the grandkids. And so that's really, that would be my description of the model citizen. All right. So we kind of described all of these different personalities, Scott. So how do you you know, you, you mentioned a lot of folks that come in to meet with you are kind of probably in this category of the model citizen. But, you know, we're all different people mm-hmm. in this world. How do you work with all these different personalities? Are there some that you prefer over others? Or, you know, your, your planning strategies will work and be able to adapt depending on, you know, kind of what I'm bringing to the table as a client? Like I said, I think that most of them are going to be that model citizen category. We do have a fair amount of do-it-yourselfers, but we're heavily involved in their situation. A few of the odd couples, for sure. Uh, I would say the odd couple, more so the biggest things we see is that the uh, usually the wife has real strong desires to travel and get out, where the husband doesn't, <laughs> where the other side of they may manage all the finances and you know the, the wife does not or vice versa. But what our job is to 
find out what people need, what their expectations are from their retirement, and see if we can meet their objectives. And I can tell you, of the eight personalities we talked about, I can't help all of them. And not all of them are going to be a good fit for our firm. But that's why we sit down and go through a discovery session to talk about their situation and, more importantly, their past experiences. Some of the questions I love to ask is, you know, tell me your first memory about money. We always get some very interesting answers from that. And so if someone is, you know, a victim, I'll give you an example. I, we, we had a client came in or a prospective family a client and we're in this conversation. And one of the big questions I always ask is, you know, have you, are you working with a financial professional currently? And the answer was no. And I said, well, have you worked with someone in the past? I said, well, yes, we have. I said, well, do you mind telling me about that experience? She goes, well, we've had a couple of bad experiences and they were basically with product salespeople or stockbrokers that had sold them some potentially inappropriate investment vehicles. And I said, well, you know, those are bad experiences. And I said, you know, unfortunately, that's the hard part of my business is, you know, there's some bad apples in every business. And I said, so let me ask you this. Do you think you could overcome your skepticism or your mistrust for my industry and work with someone. And she goes, I don't think I could. I said, well, that's going to be pretty tough because, you know, my job is not to convince you that, you know, I'm the person, you know, so ultimately we had a nice chat and I wish them the best of luck, but I could tell when we started the conversation that we weren't going to be a good fit and I probably was not going to extend an invitation for them to become a client. It's interesting to have those kinds of conversations with folks, but important to know that it's a two-way street. Not only does someone need to decide that you're a good fit, but you need to decide that they're a good fit to work with your business as well. My guess is a lot of people don't, uh, you know, they they don't necessarily recognize that fact right out of the gate. Uh, They know, and I, I think they're used to the person they're speaking with trying to morph into whatever they think that client needs. And we're very solid on our investment discipline and our planning approach. And we are who we are. And maybe it's because I've been doing this so long that we're going to do things that are proven based in research and we know we can fulfill. And so what our job is to talk to people and the worst thing that's going to happen is we point them in the right direction. And maybe we don't work them, but we put them on a different path. But if they are a good fit, then we will look at extending invitation and and signing on to take care of them to and through retirement. Well, if you're new to the podcast, I'll tell you the ways to get in touch with Scott Dugan and the team at Elevated Retirement Group. If you want to have a conversation maybe about your financial plan, maybe you identify with one of the personalities we've talked about on the show today, you can get in touch a couple of different ways. The phone number and the easy way is to uh, just pick up the phone and give a call, 913 393-4724 is the number. That's 913 
393-4724. You can also go online to listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com. Check out past episodes of the podcast and more information there on the website as well. You can learn about the teaching of educational courses that Scott does throughout the area. And uh, it's really interesting because the concepts of financial planning that Scott employs in his office, they're taught all across the country in over 70 cities. Other advisors using some of the lessons and mentalities and direction from Scott. So it's pretty neat. Not only do you serve clients there in the area, Scott, but you're also a resource to other advisors across the country, which I think is also pretty cool. Kind of a way to give back to the industry. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I say we, if we can empower people to make better decisions about their hard-earned dollars, that's a win for us. We really like that when people have a positive experience with our material. Absolutely. If you would like to request a time to meet to discuss your situation, again, call 913-393-4724 or go online to listentoscott.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on the next podcast. This is Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.